0: Hey everybody, I'm Spike Cohen, and thanks for coming to the uh, Gun Owners of America presents. Is the Second Amendment really for everyone? And uh, I'm happy to have you. I'm Spike Cohen, and I have a, a great panel here. And what I'm going to do is I'm going to let each of you introduce yourselves and talk a little bit about uh, your organization or what it is you do, and uh, and then we can get started from there. After everyone's done a, a introduction, and we'll start with uh, with Hank.
1: Okay, awesome. Uh, I'm Hank Strange. I'm a gun YouTuber. It's YouTube slash Hank Strange. I'm based right here in Florida. I also have a podcast that I do Monday to Friday, uh, 7 PM to 9 PM Eastern, where we talk about uh, the lifestyles of the Locked and Loaded is the name of that channel. And we talk about the lifestyles of folks like myself who believe in the Second Amendment and guns. Very
2: good. Hi, uh, my name is Alicia Garcia. I'm just an average, everyday Joe. I have a gun enthusiast community that I run on Facebook. We have about 7,000 followers. Um, It's a nationwide community. Anybody could be a part of it. It doesn't matter your political affiliation, just as long as you have an enthusiasm for firearms and a a voice that you want to hear or a place you want to learn. I also work with an all-woman run company in Denver, Colorado called Lipstick Tactical, where we do education for women, empowering them with firearms and other methods of self-protection. I'm a small business owner. I have a T-shirt and apparel printing company that I use as a platform to pretty much use your voice and say what you want to say, whether it's people like it or not. Uh, it's the best way for our self-expression that I can use now in this day and age where everybody's got a phone, everybody's got a camera on them. And I love firearms, and I like to have them. I think everybody should have them. And that's why I'm here.
0: Thank you very much. Rhonda? Rhonda?
3: Hello, I'm Rhonda Mary. I am a YouTuber. I mostly focus on um, social and political topics, but I've recently um, come into the 2A community. So I'm a newbie um, and I'm still learning a lot, but I'm basically sharing this journey that I'm going on with other people to hopefully inspire particularly more black women um, to not only learn about Fire Orange but just know things about like protecting yourself because I never really had anyone to have those conversations with me so as I'm learning hopefully I'm inspiring others to come on board on their own journey as well thank
0: you very much
4: Devin uh my name is Devin I'm a podcast host it airs Friday nights Trenchworth Chronicles on blog talk radio and I also am starting a nonprofit that is basically focused on mental health with kids, and it's gonna be essentially funded by the 2A communities. So we're kind of cleaning up the dirty laundry that the 2A community has kind of ignored for a while, but um, that's really my goal, is to get the information to the younger generation more than anything. That's awesome, thank you. Edgar?
5: Hello, my name is Edgar Antillon. I am the owner, uh, co-founder of Guns for Everyone. Guns for Everyone is the largest handgun training company in the state of Colorado that also doubles as an activist organization. We've been around since 2010 Um, and we just keep swinging and taking care of tyrants.
0: That's awesome. Guns for Everyone was actually the uh, alternate title we were working with for this panel. Uh, Maj?
5: What's up? My name is Maj, uh,
6: co-founder of Black Guns Matter. We're a firearm safety and training organization <clears throat> I don't have COVID, um, and COVID has, COVID has me, <laughs> if <It>, he's lucky. <laughs> um, and yeah, we just deal with conflict resolution, de-escalation, um, getting complete beginners involved in firearms in a safe and responsible manner. So if you're a newbie, um, if you've had some questions or are curious about firearms, as well as the responsibilities that go along with it, you, know, you can hit us up uh, in whatever city across the country.
0: Thank you, Maj. So we're gonna start with our next question. And uh, because we're working with one mic, I think what we'll probably do, we started with Hank, and I think we'll start with Alicia and go down. And this was originally, originally going to be a little bit more of a, a free form thing uh, where people could talk as they wanted. So well we're going to use the, the honor system or the buddy system. If someone has something to say, if they can just kind of do this and we can pass the mic around, um, which is really great during a pandemic for everyone to be using the same mic. Um, but uh, it is what it is. So if we can pass down to Alicia and we will start with our, our first question. And, uh, Breaking so, me in. Yeah, break command exactly. Let's get it going. Let's go. So uh, first question. The second amendment says a well regulated militia being necessary to the security of a free state, the right to keep the right of the people to keep and bear arms shall not be infringed. What does the right to keep and bear arms mean to you?
2: It means empowerment. It means me feeling comfortable when I leave my home every day. It means me feeling comfortable traveling with myself. I love to travel. I'm I'm a wanderluster. It's just a bad habit that I have had since I was a kid. And to me, you know, you're always taught, and I think you're groomed as being a woman, to be afraid. You're taught, well, you're going there by yourself. Well, what are you going to do? Well, who's going to go with you? Well, give me a call. Well, let me know that you're safe. And that's never worked for me. I'm going to do what I want. I'm going to go where I want, and I'm going to be who I want to be. And to me, my Glock is my best friend everywhere I go, it's like my baby. I'm taking that sucker with me. I'd rather leave my phone behind than my gun, frankly. And when I walk down the street and I'm somewhere, I know that I can protect myself. I know that I can defend myself and I'm confident in who I am. I, I held my, I hold my head higher. I feel more complete. And when I, when someone wants to tell me that I don't have the right to defend myself or protect myself with my firearm, frankly, it, turns me off and it makes me want to revolt and it makes me want to be loud and it makes me want to push back because to me i think that it's something that as an american citizen i was born with that right i've been raised with firearms my father put a gun in my hand when i was eight years old and said hey clear this field we need this to farm get rid of all these prairie dogs and from that moment on i was hooked and to me it means being able to walk down the street feel safe in myself, and know that I can send people out into the world with that education as well and say, hey, you know what, go be the best version of yourself and know that you can count on yourself. It's it's a sense of autonomy, frankly.
0: That's great. That's great. Ron, I guess, and we'll just, unless someone has something specifically they want to say, we'll just work our way down. Rhonda, what does the right to keep and bear arms mean to you?
3: So when I think about the right to keep and bear arms, I just think about the right to protect my life, protect my property um I think it's it's just a really simple concept when I think about you know the founding fathers and like the constitution and things like that I just think about a time where people it was a strong sense of personal responsibility like this is me this is my land this is my stuff I came here to escape tyranny like I got it leave me alone Um, And so that's what I think about. And some some of the principles I would like to actually work back towards. um, I think we've really gotten away from that. And now we are uh, essentially, the society is looking for a big response for government for protection. And so I think the 2A allows us to kind of keep some of that personal responsibility and protect our um, freedoms and liberties.
4: Very good, very good. Devin? Um, The right to keep and bear arms to me, um, as a Virginian, where gun control started, I would have to say it's just the backbone and the clear insurance to your freedom. So in the 1600s, black codes, which were slave codes, were essentially gun control for slaves. So to me, it just ensures my freedom because if you go down the line of history, the black community has had to defend themselves with firearms against any kind of tyrannical acts, whether it's Tulsa, Oklahoma, even though they blew that up, um, Durham, North Carolina, the deacons of defense, like all the way through, we've always had to keep them bare arms. So to me, it's just second nature. It's a part of this country. We have to have them.
0: Excellent. Excellent.
4: Edgar?
5: Uh, everything's pretty much already been said, but yeah, freedom is is what guns are all about there's really nothing else other than just that freedom.
6: Yeah, Yeah. yeah, same. Um, It's about, for me it's about keeping the government in check. I don't really care about everything else Um, because the government and the state is generally gonna try to be the most oppressive. You know what I mean? An individual can have their own biases. You know, um, Larry Sharp is here and he says something we did a, a podcast like a week or so ago all of these things you know what laws and legislation and slave codes these were enforced by the state the government i keep guns to keep my government in check my this part is going to sound awkward my personal level of accountability is i am willing to shoot government people that infringe on my rights that is what i view the second amendment as all of that other stuff I'm more concerned like robbers don't scare me as much as corrupt governments. So for me, the second amendment is very clear. The level of government overreach, whether it's the government telling you you have to wear a mask on your face or telling that you have to sit six feet away from somebody is an infringement. And if I do not comply at the end of them coming up with that rule, they'll send a person with a gun to potentially shoot me. So. I want to have a gun to make sure that I'm alive and limit the overreach of the state. That is what the Second Amendment is for me.
0: Thank you. Thank you. And we'll go to, uh, we'll finish with Hank. I'd also like to say, welcome to the Libertarian Party. We're talking about shooting government people. Uh, it actually isn't an, isn't awkward. That's not yeah. an awkward conversation to have here. Uh, but.
1: Yeah,
0: <laughs> Yeah. It gets applause, actually. Yeah. Um, Hank. Uh,
1: right. I would agree with everything that my uh, brothers and sisters here had to say. I think um, the most important part of that to me is the uh, the right of the people. Right. Everyone. All the people. And I think that the right to defend yourself is not is it's something that's uniquely American, but it should be for everyone on the face of this planet. Right, has the right to protect themselves, defend themselves. I think at some point in my life I realized that I couldn't wait for someone from the government to come save me or anyone else to come save me. And I realized that I was responsible for myself and my family, the people that I cared about and loved. And that the moment that when something went wrong it would be on me to survive or to help someone else survive. Um, I grew up in New York City and um, that's a place that has a lot of cops just it's just weird like whenever i needed them they weren't there right, <laughs> right? um so <laughs> yeah absolutely don't jaywalk so i think that's the part of it to me that's the most important and the people have to remember that that ultimately you are responsible for yourself your own security and safety yeah. and i think the government when they overreach what they're trying to do is say no we're responsible for you you belong to us, and it's not that way. It's the other way around.
0: Yeah, yeah. And when we, you know, it, no, it's perfect. Uh, when uh, when seconds count, the government, well, the police will be there in 20 uh, minutes, minutes to half file an hour, a report. Two yeah, hours, to yeah. file a report. Yeah. Um, so uh, and thank you so much for that. So the next question is: When we think of the Second Amendment, we think of self-protection, um, and often when we think of self-protection, we think of home intruders, uh, you know, someone trying to rob you or something like that. Uh, but when I think of self-protection, I, I think of something a little – yeah, we'll start with Rhonda. When I think of uh, self-protection, I think of something a little bit different. For example, uh, at these protests, um, the, we've seen two different disparate outcomes in two different sets of protests recently. Uh, back in April and May, we saw during the lockdown protests where people came heavily armed, often where there were more people there who had guns than who didn't, and they would show up, they would do their protesting – And they would go home, and they were largely left to do that. Uh, We then saw uh, about a month or so later, when after the murder of George Floyd, that really brought things to a head with protests for, uh, against police brutality with the Black Lives Matters protesters, that uh, when they came out, they were largely unarmed, and they got a Oddly different outcome, where they were often being tear gassed and pepper sprayed, and and rounded up and 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 you know put in cages and having their habeas corpus uh, suspended indefinitely and so forth. Um, there are different lines of thought as to why that is. So some are saying it's just because they one group was armed and you know you don't bring tear gas to a, a gunfight, uh, and then the other uh, the other line of thought was that. They were mostly white that were protesting against the lockdowns, whereas the Black Lives Matter protesters were more... There was a, a, a more of a racial mix, but mostly people of color. What do you think about that? Do you think that it was entirely because of them being armed or do you think it was entirely because of the racial difference or maybe a combination of the two Rhonda, what do you what do you think of that? this
3: must have been a really good question because everybody at the table turned and did this to me but i have yet to see a video of black armed protesters being tear gassed um... pushed into a corner I think the media does what the media does, and they have a very good way of spinning things. So they create the villains and the heroes. They create a lot of the polarizing news stories that we see, but oftentimes the outcome is the same. You know, black people, Hispanic people, minorities that are armed are still able to protect themselves to that certain extent, that certain degree. Um, And so I think it's, you know, when you get through the surface level media BS, It's still the same. If a black protester goes out there with a firearm, they are less likely to be tear gassed, regardless of what the media is saying. Now, some people aren't going to assume that because you have a media that creates this divide. And we kind of follow these narratives in our head of, oh, see, a black guy could never do what they were doing in Michigan. Yes, they can. They're doing it. They're actually doing it. Um, And so, when we see those things, we have to highlight them. And it's where people like us on this panel um, come in and where we need you guys' help as well because we have to share those stories. The media is not going to do it for us. Those stories don't make the money. That's just how that works.
4: Thank you, Rhonda. Devin? Um, Can you repeat the question? Following Rhonda is kind of hard. What was the question? Okay, so I'm sorry.
0: The question was that. We see we saw two different sets of of outcomes where uh, people that were that showed up to the lockdowns protests were very heavily armed. Usually they were just allowed to protest and go home. The more unarmed protesters like the Black Lives Matter protesters, when they showed up, they often were not allowed to go home uh, and they were treated much differently. Some people say that's because of race. Some people say that's because one group was armed and the other one largely wasn't. Where do you think that? Definitely
4: because they were armed. Um. I was at the Richmond rally, which is basically the biggest gun rally we've had in the country. And we basically made the government shell up to where they had to put these giant gates in front of the buildings. They banned all guns from the property. Uh, they were shook, essentially. And together, the protesters, we made it a concerted effort. Whoever was going into the cage, we were basically covered by somebody who was outside of the cage. So regardless if we were armed or not, you would still had to deal with everybody outside. So... Yeah, I think that was the best example of armed protesters making the like Ralph Northam left the state that day because he was scared. I was like, good, like, be afraid because we're sick of this type of stuff. We're sick of your tyranny. We're sick of like Rhonda just mentioned, the divide that the media is playing on both sides. And um, I think it's starting to get exposed with the recent riots and protests. What I did like to see is that. uh, people were exposing the, I would say, agitators and people infiltrating the movements. And that was a very positive thing for me personally to see because, like Rhonda mentioned, we only see one side, Fox News, or the other side, CNN. And honestly, sometimes it's the same video, just titled different. And that's how they play the narrative. And um, I just love how social media and independent media outlets are able to start, uh, I guess, killing that narrative. So. Yeah, and long story short, I think it was more so because of the guns as opposed to the message.
0: Thank you very much, Edgar. Uh,
5: at, at the risk of sounding fuddy or cheesy, but an, an armed populace makes for a, a very polite government, um, and I, I think the, the evidence is already there. Since the beginning, when when you had, even after the the slaves were freed, the 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 small pockets of black gun owners that were able to maintain their autonomy because they owned firearms against the KKK and the government and and all that shit um the evidence is already there if we have guns they they mind their fucking business a little bit more and we we just we just need to see that a little bit more and express it a little bit more and 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 shed that light a little bit more and in that fight, we, we I, I see a lack of unity in that. I'm, I'm sure we'll get to that shit a little bit later, um, but yeah, absolutely. Thank you, Edgar. Maj.
6: Yeah, it's definitely because people had you know were armed. Um, I everybody's already said kind of you know the the facts behind that. If you're doing a, a modicum of research, you see you know areas even outside of just protesting areas that have more of a respect for the culture and of the Second Amendment and firearms ownership. Lower violent crimes, lower rapes, lower homicides. This is like statistics over the last ten years. And I, I know the stat game can be played, but even the people that would lie sometimes use stats that argue the argument is the proof. You know, licenses to carry. I'm not a fan of licensing me personally, but I'm using it as a point. Licenses to carry are up over the last decade and mass mainstream media won't necessarily tell you that violent crime is down over the last decade. You know. Um but again it's like the media's, you know, most effective devil in America. It has the ability to trick you to believe something that's not actually accurate. We're in these frenzies and I'm like all around the country and everybody's chill. Everybody's like just trying to have a drink or like, yo, when they bring in sports back, bro. Like it's in that vein generally across the country. Uh, but if you know, if you watch television a lot, they'll tell you you walk outside, it's gonna be to skelter, you know? And so, but no, I think it, it, it was because they're armed. And uh, I think we, we've submitted to a certain level of the Tower of Babel. We're babbling around each other. We're not communicating with each other. We have more in common than, you know, differences. And the differences are dope, too, because then I get to learn about your culture and you get to learn about mine. You know what I mean? So um, but it, yes, in regards to the government, it absolutely is because we strap. You know, America was taken by violence, you know, and so governments respect violence. And, you know, or even that show of violence and that potential show of force. So, yeah, it's they're not doing it because, like, they just want to do the right thing. Like, come on, bro. Like, <laughs> it's no money. It's, well, it is money in doing the right thing. But um, we got to give them alternative means, like in- incentivize with the f- potential use of force, incentivize them doing the right thing and respecting our human rights.
0: Thank you, Maj. Um, if we can pass down to Hank.
1: Um, I would agree with everyone. I think that um, the threat of violence uh, to meet violence is always effective. I agree with that. I think the overall question, since everything that everyone said was well said, is why with the the protests after George Floyd did they leave the businesses unprotected? So I 100 percent agree with anyone, including someone on the opposite side of what I believe, protesting. I think when you decide to destroy property, we're talking about a different thing here. You're destroying people's businesses, etc. Someone's gonna pay for that. The city, you know, the, the individual business owners. Why did they d- decide to leave it open for those people to exercise violence unmet? That's the question you have to ask yourself. And I think opposite to that, when people went prepared and ready to meet violence with violence, they decided they didn't want that. So obviously something deliberate happened here, mostly that happened with those cities that allowed that, the people that run those cities allowed that. Where they should have allowed people to protest and make their voice heard and known, they decided to destroy things. So that's, I think, you know, that's answering a question with a question.
0: Yeah, no, thank you, Hank. Uh, Alicia?
2: They call firearms a great equalizer, and obviously that's the point, is you level out the playing field. And I think people are more likely to listen when there is firepower present. I think people are less likely to feel threatened when there isn't firepower present. And I think that it has been misconstrued by the media. It, they call it programming for a reason because you are being groomed 24-7 what to think, what to feel, who to believe, where to stand, what to eat, what to shop. You hear more about what they want to demonize rather than what works. Because by controlling people with fear, you get fear-induced submission. And that is the American way these days, to tell people how to fall in line. And when people show up and they retaliate by representing themselves in force with firepower to back them up, the automatic response is to demonize these people. And let's make it a two-paradigm debate. Let's make it these people showed up, but they were white. And they had firearms so that's why nothing happened is because these people were white and they had guns as opposed to these people they are eight shades of brown and they had no firepower and they get their asses kicked well that's not the truth what the truth is They funnel the information that they want to show you, so you believe what they want you to believe, and by dividing the people and making you believe it's an issue of race and differentiating one class of person to another class of person, you are able to demonize firearms, because by taking away your firearms, you are now able to be controlled, because you're easier to submit that way. And that's exactly why I think that that conversation is abundant in the media, is because... That's who's paying. The media is who's paying. And they are funded by everybody that controls your shopping outlets, your Facebook, your everything that you do are the people that own your media. And I think it's time that we start getting together as people and realizing that these rules were set in place, these amendments – you know, our constitution, these things were set in place based on the fact that we were fleeting tyranny. And that's exactly what this is. It's just a different form. It's a more controlled form. It's a modern form. And by empowering people with firearms, you unite each other and you unite each other in black. That's what I'm OK with. Like, give me some black steel. I think everybody becomes the same color. Human.
0: Yeah. Well, and we actually just saw uh, in uh, Stone Mountain, Georgia, several hundred armed black protesters marched on Stone Mountain, and they were left alone. We didn't see any tear gassing. We Mm -hmm. didn't see any pepper spraying. Uh, It was almost as if, again, police didn't want to start a fight with something like a 1,000 people that were all heavily armed. Mm -hmm. Um, Funny thing there. Um, So the next question is, in that same vein, we've seen in the past and we'll start with Devin on this one. Um, We have seen in the past where People uh, of color would show up in force uh, with weapons. For example, when the Black Panthers first came in force, uh, starting in California, and they marched on the state house back when open carry was uh, legal, uh, and they marched on the state house with their with their guns. Were basically left alone because, again, even though there was a, a lot of hatred towards the Black Panthers, they were all heavily armed, and they figured they would deal with it later. They weren't going to take on a bunch of armed people. Um, but in the aftermath of that we saw that's why now uh, open carry is now illegal in california they passed the uh the i believe the mulford act and uh that was with the blessing of the nra by the way right. in the NRA. um and reagan yeah. so that was a you know this was a bipartisan thing this is not about democrats versus republicans it was a bi- bipartisan thing that the idea of lots of black men with guns was very very scary um that was also a different time that was something like almost 60 years ago now do you think that has changed uh, where now that there's not going to be as much government resistance against large groups of, of people of, of color getting armed? And whether or not there are, what can we in the greater gun rights community do to fight back and make sure that if there were a large show of force of people of color with weapons that were ha- had government you know responding by passing laws to try to limit that, what can we do to fight back and show like a, a unified front?
4: Um, I guess the best answer to that, the first part would be, uh, I, well, hold up. The first part was, do you think that we're still has changed? Yeah. Uh, Yeah. Yes. And I think the NFAC was the biggest example. Like you said, they weren't met with any type of force. I think that was because they had guns. And I also think it would have looked terrible for police to try to stop armed black men again. With guns. Like, it literally would have been almost a reenactment of what happened at, in California at the Mulford Act. That's essentially what I was saying about Northam and his gun control. It was that you're basically reenacting the Mulford Act, and these are racist laws. Like, bottom line, they're racist laws. So, from then to now, I would say, yeah, that's changed because the media and everybody has a phone. So, cameras are on everybody so you can't hide or sway information anymore so in a sense, yeah, and then I think with more black gun groups popping up especially like Black Guns Matter like you're completely dispelling any false narrative that is attached to a black gun owner anyways, so yeah, I would say the narrative is definitely changing
5: Very good, Edgar? Uh, I- I'm going to respectfully disagree with this fool right here Uh, I don't think anything's changed. I I call everyone a foo. That's just a Mexican thing. Uh, uh, I can explain a little bit more, but I don't think we have enough time. Uh, Yeah. How about I keep it on on subject um i I don't think it's changed i I think from from the mulford act and even before then uh the 13th amendment and and all that stuff like i don't think anything's really changed in 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 the sense that we we we're stockholm syndrome is a son of a bitch and i think i think there's still a lot of people that are stuck in that stockholm syndrome And that's why it hasn't changed, because now you have a lot of people, unfortunately, in minority communities, in the black community, the Hispanic community. I definitely see it with with my people, with Mexicans, where it's just like you've been told for so long, for hundreds of years, for, for decades, that gun ownership is bad and they create laws to protect you and you get caught up in that stockholm syndrome and now the same people who you're trying to defend and empower are telling you that you're an idiot because you're carrying a gun and it's scary so it's the avenues have changed and the people telling you that it's bad has changed but it's still there because of that Stockholm syndrome, because of that 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 changing dynamic. So I, I don't think it's really changed. We're just fighting this a little bit differently. Um, how we can fight it? You asked about how we can show unified um, power and all this or front. Is just people don't fucking fight. Like I'm fighting a fight in Colorado right now, and I'm basically doing that shit alone. Like, Antonia was really the only one that that was like, hey, what the fuck's going on? Let's fix this shit. No, she didn't. She didn't. She
0: (laughs) She said it much more nicely. She said it politely. She said it
5: politely, yeah. (laughs) (laughs) She she said it in White Attorney. Uh, (laughs) 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 Yo, this is our shit. Like, like, I don't give a fuck. (laughs) Uh, Um... Like, for real, she was the only one that that reached out, and, and, uh, GOA was the only one. I mean, to the, there, there's not much that they can do at this very moment, but it's just, in Colorado, there's a bunch of gun groups that can come out and be like, hey, what the fuck's going on? Like, why is this sheriff stepping out of line? Why is the sheriff not doing what the fuck they're supposed to do? Instead of doing that, they're just like, oh, well, it's no PR for me, so I'm just gonna step back, and I'm the only motherfucker swinging and i'm just taking the hit after hit after hit and everybody's just like oh okay well i I guess you're fighting yay like i don't need that i don't need somebody to fucking just tell me uh, attaboy and shit like that i'm not fighting for an attaboy like i'm fighting to make sure all these motherfuckers have gun rights and freedom and there's no infringement and, and we keep these people in check but everybody's just willing to be like oh okay you got this like no, like uh, what we need to do is actually fight together, not just say we're fighting together and then people step back. That's how we change the ship.
0: Yeah, that's actually how Antonia talks to me as well. So right. that's, yeah. Um, Maj, do you think things have changed or what do you think?
6: No, I don't think anything's changed. I agree with Edgar. The fact that there's still a panel and we, we're talking about the fact of, you know, throughout American history, Anybody here know what the first federal gun grab was? Wounded knee. knee. Indigenous people to this land, to Turtle Island, right? Melanated beings, right? Um, So that's like way back in the day. Then we can fast forward through history, and now we're having a conversation about, you know, underrepresentation. You know how many times I've had to like alley for Edgar to come to stuff? Like why oh, cause black guns matter is the trending topic. Where are the Asian people on this panel? No, it has not changed. PR has just gotten better. You know what I'm saying? When we had these conversations about um, you know, that armed group, when I look in and I'm gonna be a bit cavalier here, when I look in these gun groups And I see high-level influencers saying things like, "When these okay, these guys clearly might have had some airsoft stuff. Everybody don't got three thousand dollars for a cool AR build, right? But the argument is now when I'm looking in the comment section where you where you think you got some anonymity, right? And I'm going, oh yeah, those guys are out of shape. Everybody's out of shape. That's like that's not the prerequisite for exercising your human right to defend yourself. So the bias, the bigotry, and the mentality. That would create a space where, you know, my conservative friends highlight Ronald Reagan. Ronald Reagan was complicit in that unconstitutional move. And it's still the same. Ralph Northam is doing the same thing in Virginia and then running while he's doing it when he's dealing with people that have to, you know, can engage properly. So my point there is no, it hasn't changed. It was it started as race-based. It still is. They'll just call it fees or whatever. How are you charging me a fee on something that the founding documents say are human rights not granted by government? How is that even possible? So, no, it hasn't changed. Um, I believe and I fear and I choose my words very carefully. I fear that somebody's going to have to get shot in the face for people to recognize how important this is. And if you feel cringing right now that I'm saying that. The founding fathers to this nation shot people in the face. Like, what's your level of commitment to liberty? If it's just going to be like you saying stuff in cool memes and and T-shirts. And I understand that war and fighting is bloody. And I would prefer much more diplomatic means. I would prefer that. But at a certain point, why would Northam or other Democratic governors feel the need to have to stop overreaching? Why, was a, why, what reason would a bully have to stop taking your lunch? I'll you punch him in the mouth. And if it's only a couple of people fighting, with and it's, your what, you're right. Punch him in the mouth with, the foot. The mouth with your foot. And if, you, if, you, if there's only a few people fighting, and they've convinced you into believing like, you know, well that's the type of protesting, it's different. Like when you kneeled at a football stadium to bring attention to it, that kind was wrong. The peaceful protest was wrong. Then I disagree a bit with Hank. I, under, I respect and understand private property, but sometimes people don't understand until the whooping come. Like the whole Boston Tea Party thing. You know what I'm saying, that was property. So my point in saying that is I'm not a fan of private businesses being attacked, but at the same time, like war is politics by a different means. And if you're fighting for liberation, And the people that are, quote unquote, your elected servants that are supposed to be serving you have forgotten their way and they have no incentive to get back in line. And that's how America was founded. They're actually out of line. So because we keep justifying, you know, oh, we try to do you got to do it the right way when you keep doing that, you get more of the same. So, no, nothing has changed in that regard. I just got better guns now. You know.
0: Thank
5: you. I, I'm going to intercept really quick. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We, we need to get right in this bitch. Um, I, kind of following up on that, we, we talked about this on the podcast. So, in terms of violence and what needs to change with the fighting, and like we just got to get a little bit more serious about this shit. Um, so, I, I own gun stores in Colorado. Used to. Uh, somebody, some scumbags, decided to drive a truck in and try and snatch and grab and, and shit like that. We happened to be there. So they just left with a few rounds, <laughs> um, <laughs> In <the right> <laughs> a few used rounds. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. just the projectiles. <laughs> pre-owned just, rounds. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> uh, I, I bring this up to say this is just like like when that happened. There, there was you know a lot of emotions. We actually decided to shut down the retail side down because of it. Uh, we just didn't want to deal with it anymore. Uh, and then the, the protests started coming up and private businesses started com- uh, uh, being destroyed and one of the thoughts that, that I had, and it, it wasn't because of me, it was because of what I heard a restaurant owner talk about when his place was was burnt to shit uh was like hey this is sacrifice in war there's always sacrifice when people are trying to uprise there's always a sacrifice now some scumbags came in and destroyed my business for nothing like absolutely nothing but if i have a whole community who's been oppressed for hundreds of years or like we've had enough with this shit at some point i have to say as a business owner like i get it like it's just part of the sacrifice like i i'm with you i hate the fuck that my shit's burnt down but i also have to acknowledge that in that sacrifice I'm probably going to lose a few things. Uh, our founding fathers, as fucked up as they, they were, as messed up as they were, uh, as hypocritical as they were, they sacrificed everything for the idea of freedom. Even if they didn't get the freedom thing down right, um, they sacrificed at least for the idea. Lost businesses, lost their farms, some people were rich and lost every single penny that they had. And we're afraid of that sacrifice. We're afraid of losing your your Home Depot job or, or your your office job and cancel culture and and all that stuff. Like we we just gotta sacrifice. You might end up penniless, but you know what? Dead is dead no matter what. And, and we're just afraid to to swing. We're, we we just don't do it anymore.
0: Okay, Hank, I know you had been uh, referenced, so I'd like to give you a chance to respond. Also, yeah, again, welcome. I was welcome personally
1: to, attacked he by Maj Touré.
0: I'd also like just first like to say, welcome again to the Libertarian Party, <laughs> where we talk about <laughs> shooting people in the face. Yeah. Um, Hank, go ahead. Yeah,
1: and, and Maj and I are friends. Um, I think I understand where Maj is coming from. I think there were people in, in the riots that we're talking about. Uh, for example, there were black people that had businesses, and their businesses were destroyed to a point that they won't recover from that and that community loses in that case. At the same time, I, I do agree that, you know, um, in order to make an omelet, we have to break some eggs. So I, you know, I would, uh, there's no simple answer to that, right? Obviously.
6: There's more, there's more nuanced and balance than just, oh, you're right because you're breaking shit, or you're wrong because you're not breaking shit. It's for layers sure. to that, you know? And yeah. my bad for jumping in, y'all. There's also, mm-hmm. like, businesses have insurance. It's like, It has to almost become um, financially, and this is gonna sound really, really bad. Sometimes the state, because again, this all points back to the state, right? Sometimes the state values like stuff more than the humans. So it has to be like costly and like, like horrible for you to violate the people's rights because the stuff that you as the state are going to have to refinance, like your precious roads or whatever, it now makes sense for you to not violate the humans. Sure, I understand that. I I didn't see
1: see a lot lot of state state buildings get destroyed. I didn't see a lot of roads get destroyed. I saw a lot of people's businesses. Um, get destroyed. So I understand what you're saying. I think that the next time they want to uh, allow people to do those kind of things, they should maybe point it in the in better directions, but that's not really the way that it works. So um, I know that if I was one of those businesses and my business was destroyed and I was serving that community, if I did have insurance, I think you know not everyone has insurance. Um, if I did, after that, I wouldn't serve that community anymore. I would probably just go somewhere else. Uh, that, you know, because everything needs to be a two-way street, but we can move on from that. I mean, um, other than that, I would like to say Antonia beat me. That's how she made me do this. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> Cussing and
0: beating people. Uh, and, this and also, been, This
1: is married Antonia. She's No, I'm, I'm Antonia and uh, GOA. Yes, Antonia and GOA has actually been pretty nice. Also, I would like to say, Maj, um, I am Asian. You might not know that, but I am Indian so there is technically an Asian on the panel so you better recognize yeah <laughs> fight the power
0: <laughs> this was a perfectly yeah, see, curated I told you panel you that was for you, was for
1: you. perfect curation yeah, here um, <laughs> <laughs> but yes you know what I think overall I you know once again agree with everyone that this is a complicated thing to answer the you know, your your initial question. I think things are changing but they haven't changed enough, you know um, and, and we don't have enough support from folks out there you know, that's really the big problem. I think that we could use some support from the Libertarian Party, we could use more support from the NRA we could use more support from Republicans, you know, I could just go on and on here we just really need more support from each other for, for that matter, right? Um, but it's changed in terms of, as Devin said, you know, there's, there's more of us standing up now. I think uh, black people always believed in guns. They always believed in protecting themselves. Um, there's been kind of a brainwashing going on, and a lot of them don't want to come out publicly and say that, or didn't. And we're maybe, you know, folks like yourself, myself, everyone sitting on this panel, we're helping to change that, but we're nowhere close to that. You know we're very far away from that and we need to work harder and we really need the support of the people out there in order to do this this is a very um, difficult expensive thing to do there's lots of other options that we have when we talk about business of things that we could go into that would be so much easier you know myself as a youtuber um, and someone that relies on social media every single social media that exists that is recognized uh, universally by people comes down on me I've had my YouTube channel deleted and, you know, videos demonetized, which really doesn't mean that much except they suppress the crap out of it. And that's what, the reason why I say that, it makes it hard to get that message out there. So right. we could definitely use help with that. Okay.
0: Very good. Uh, Alicia? Oh.
6: Go ahead. <laughs> I, I
0: didn't know if you were <laughs> Alicia, are you going, so it's really up to Alicia because she has the mic. Are you? Yeah. Listen. Are you to it <laughs>
2: up <to> Alicia? Listen. <laughs> we're not united. We as, we as groups of people that say that this is our belief and, you know, gun-toting Americans and these groups that we have, we're not united. Nobody's rallying, rallying for each other. And that's one of the things that really irritates me. Just like Edgar, Edgar was saying, he has a fight going on in Colorado, but nobody is coming out of the woodwork to back him up. He's voicing everything by himself. And I think when it all comes down to it, people are just too comfortable. They're too comfortable in their pretty little cages that they've been given by the government, the government that they've empowered to make them helpless. They like their helplessness. They like their comfort. And when you shake the cage and when you rattle things up, people want to say that they're for something, but they have things to do. You know, it's not important to them. And I, I don't feel that people are united in their convictions. People want to talk the pretty talk, but nobody wants to walk it because they're too afraid. And I, I think that it's going to take us tearing things down to rebuild anew. And you, you can't have change without destruction. That's not what happens. That's a law of nature. That's a law of chemistry. If you want something different, you have to destroy what is old. And I think people are afraid to start breaking things.
3: And I'm all about it. Okay, Rhonda? So there's been this talk about, like, sacrifice, and, you know, you may have to take this hit as a business owner, but no, I'm not, like, I'm not with that, right? Because we know... Part of the way to freedom is through land, is through property. That's why you had so much land and property stolen from indigenous people, stolen from black people. We talked about war, war comes with strategy. The strategy is to shoot the tyrants, to you wanna push the tyrants out of your community, not the people that come there and say, hey, we're gonna invest in you. We want to help you, we want to help fund your roads and your schools. Um, So I just think this whole idea of it's a circle, right? Because you, instead of running down on Ralph Northam, you know, you're burning down mom and pop. And then mom and pop has to move out. And now Target is buying up everything and moving in. And so it's a repetitive circle. You can't go into war with no strategy. And that was one of my biggest problems with the NFAC Um, like I'm cool. I'm supportive of what you guys are doing, but let's not be reactionary. You have to have strategy and for things to actually change. It's a very consistent commitment. I think Maj used that word earlier or maybe Edgar. It's the commitment that actually changes things and get things done. And you can't do that without strategy. You don't just do that with anger. Oh, let's just burn it all down. And now. Everything is gone. You've moved the families out, the, the business owners whose kids actually go to school with your kids, right? I look at Black Lives Matter and the demographics. You have some of these white suburban kids coming over into these cities like helping burn down stuff. You have people living palli- leaving pallets of bricks. You don't live here. You don't have to deal with the aftermath of that. So those decisions should be for the people in those communities. Um, So I don't think, you know, like the anger is with the state. And that's my problem with the media. Even when they were trying to paint it as, oh, the guys in Michigan, those are white supremacists on the steps of the Capitol. I don't care for freaking, I'm not there. I can't say. You know, there aren't some white supremacists in the mix, but I don't care for white supremacists rundowns on the government like that's where the focus needs to be. So I don't care if he shows up with his gun and those same things he's working for will um, also help impact me when we're talking about me being able to also keep those freedoms, keep my gun or whatever. Um, so I think we really have to look at how we are discussing these things and where that anger is being projected, because a lot of times it could be, um, going the opposite way of intended.
1: Very well
0: said. Yeah. I know, well, uh, De- I know Devin was going to say, Devin, you had something you want to add, and then Maj um, think
4: you want to add something. But to you can respond. respond to that if you want, because I was going to... No,
6: say. I think it's just, okay. it's twofold. Yeah. I think, yes, um... I think it is cowardly to destroy the businesses that are actually supporting your community. I want to clarify that. I'm more so talking about, um, the mentality of being willing to destroy if necessary. That is, I'm not saying that devoid of tactics or strategy. Tactics are short term, strategies long term, right? So to, you know, to Hank's point too, why wasn't y'all running up on prisons? Why weren't y'all running up on Epstein Islands type vibe why weren't you running up on state buildings you know what I mean so I I am agreeing with that I'm just talking about the heart of the people willing to fight we were talking last night at dinner and it's like okay I go outside everybody's like yeah we're gonna go fight and then it's 50 people and then it's like two people fighting and everybody's like no we like Edgar said we thought you had it It it's like nah bro like we gotta have it you know, so when I'm talking, I think we're talking about two different things. The understanding and the, of the mentality of someone, especially that isn't as well-versed in tactics and or strategy that are frustrated. And these communities, for the most part, we don't, the ones that are being destroyed, we actually don't own it. We're populating these areas, right? You don't, that's the reason why your school choice isn't an option. Your tax revenue is low. So the state says you got to be forced to go to this school, so forth and so on. So you don't actually, you're inhabiting a community. You don't actually own the community. So I think that's the mentality of that person doing that in that moment. Now I disagree with it. You run down on me and my stuff. If you pose an imminent threat to my life, you know, it is what it is. However, I also can understand if somebody's trying to break into my house and take my TV, it's like, bro, I'm not lighting him up for the TV, like that's stuff. You know what I'm saying? So it's it's a thin line there. I think me, what me and Edgar are more speaking to is the willingness and the understanding of a fighter's mentality as opposed to someone just consistently just talking, talking about that well,
1: that's that stuff I'm gonna light you up for breaking into my house.
6: Yeah, yeah. If you yeah TV. <laughs> yeah, not for the TV, yeah, but, not for the TV yeah. but if it's like I've already I'm upstairs and I'm like, I've already yelled, I'm armed, we got our procedure, you're coming upstairs with in your arm. You know, it's 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 you know. Then I'm gonna call my lawyer, and I'm gonna high five yeah, my this own. is
1: more complicated than yeah. it right? Right, yeah. right.
6: Exactly. exactly. And I I just wanted to say that because I don't want to make it seem like half of our group on this panel is saying, yeah, yeah, burn down private shit. <laughs> like, no, we respect private property. But at the and, and the other half is saying like, no, no, no. It's there's layers and levels to it. And you gotta figure out what your personal level of commitment to it is, as well as understanding the mentality of the person that hasn't read the same books or doesn't even understand that libertarian, y'all, respect your stuff thing. You know what I mean? People
1: don't talk about this, it's too complicated and they don't wanna take the time to get into this and understand how, how many levels and layers
5: there are. And, 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 and a lot of it is that we see, um in in the minority communities is we have a lot of people who have probably a little bit more influence than we do just because of the systemic issues that we have in in this country that sit back and say "Well, well like i don't i don't see it Like I don't see it in my neighborhood, so it it must not exist. It's it's not it's not there. So then we get from the people that do have some sort of influence um, again because of systemic issues. They just sit back and say, "Well, like I've never seen that. I don't have to deal with that stuff." So there's no anger in there. Mm -hmm. Like, when you, when you live through hundreds of years, like, uh, me Mexican, like, hate, hatred against Mexicans in the U.S. is a relatively new thing. I say this, it's it's existed, but it's a relatively new thing compared to what the black community has had to gone through. So our anger is building up because it's been a, a few hundred years. But, like, black people in this country have had to deal with that shit since the fucking beginning. Like, they were forced here since the beginning. So I have to understand, like... This, this hatred in me has been building up because of a few hundred years. I can only imagine what Maj is feeling because he's had to hear about it, about, like, you, you can't even think about how far long your, your lineage goes where, where enslavement and oppression has existed. And then there's some people who just, I, I'm probably one of the whitest Mexicans you'll, you'll ever see as far as skin tone. But I'm ESL as shit. My parents came here illegally. Uh I'm an anchor baby. Like when I say I'm Mexican, like it, it, it's Mexican. Um, and like there, there's a lot of people that that just don't have that complexion. They have the complexion protection, and they have some sort of influence, and the, we just don't see that that anger. Like you just got to understand the anger. We're not asking you to condone it. Like we, we talked about this on, on the podcast. We, we're not asking, we just need you to understand, like, why the fuck we're so mad. Like, it, it gets tiring. Uh, and just because you don't see it doesn't mean it doesn't exist. Okay.
0: Devin,
4: I'm good. They Okay, all right, okay, day. cool.
0: Cool, so... Uh, well, good. So the next question is, and we'll, I think it was Edgar was next to, yeah. to start. Um, Hell yeah. That we, uh, so we see a lot in the two-way community, in the, in the gun rights community. We see a, there's sort of this disconnect with, with many that are in it who will say, you know, the, uh, the, the Second Amendment wasn't written for deer hunting. And, you know, we, the Second Amendment was, the purpose of it was for, you know, fighting against tyranny. But also, if law enforcement tells you to do something, you have to do it, and you always must comply. And if they do something to you, it's probably your fault and what happened before the video started. And we we see this kind of disconnect between we must fight to the very end against the tyrants, uh, and we have to do everything that the tyrants tell us to do. Where do you think that comes from? And how do we deal with that? How do we bridge that gap for people that aren't making that connection between talking about fighting tyranny and being okay with when tyrants actually are engaging in tyranny.
5: Ooh, I'm going to step in a, a little bit. I, I think I don't think I can look at Antonio when I say this. Uh, I'm <laughs> I, I, just I, going to cuss <laughs> at you. That's all she <laughs> <is>. Yeah, <laughs> Yeah. Uh, this is very complex as, as uh, again, it, it's one of those complex uh, conversations. I, I think when when people were brought here to this country against their will or when this land was stolen from individuals that were already here, there was a certain belief system that was instilled in them. And in that belief system, there's a lot of teachings of uh, – I'm trying to be PC and a motherfucker here. And I you really be. don't have to. This um, is
0: – this again. This is the Libertarian Party. I'm and, a vice president running on a platform of <laughs> abolishing all gun laws and freeing most of the people that are in prison. So you can you can say so you know, whatever you want.
5: To say. When when you instill like if you read the book of this this belief like Christianity, um, it it talks about respecting the laws of the land and it talks about respecting. So you you steal the per, a people's culture and then you tell them my book says you have to follow the laws of the land and you have to be respectful of what the person up here says. Because if you don't, then you're going to hell and you're going to be judged for forever and damned into eternity and stuff like that. So I think they use religion to to keep that oppression there. Um, and again, it's just such a complex thing, but it's, I don't know what the fuck I'm saying anymore. But um, <laughs> I think people have not done the his- Yeah. <laughs>
6: I think people have not made the historical context between, um, again, if we tie it back into, for me, it's always going to be the state. Crimes have victims. Robbery, rape, homicide. Right. If we isolate it to those kind of three. Right. Law enforcement should be to enforce laws that protect your stuff and your body. Right. Because we've given so much overreaching power to the state and the law enforcement being foot soldiers for that state, we've allowed, um, something that was a noble profession of peacekeeping, being a peace officer, being a constable, being there to do community policing to catch the actual bad guys and girls, the people doing robberies, raping, and homicide, unjustifiably, right? We've continued to give that carte blanche in areas where it is no longer acceptable. So then, you've had a culture of the, you know, Andy Mayberry, community police and sheriff, that's like, hey man, I'm gonna be around everybody, I'm gonna love love everybody, respect everybody, but this bad guy that came through and robbed us, we gotta have him have his day in court. That's a noble profession. Now when the state continues to make more and more things unlawful, now that law enforcement officer, switches from peace officer to law enforcement, force being the word, we're not looking at the historical context of what the red coats were doing. They just switched the color. It's blue now. Mm-hmm. You know? So then you you associate this unwavering support for someone that may have joined the force force to do a noble thing, fight actual crimes with victims, and now you're giving them carte blanche and things that are actually overreaching into your rights. And that that historical context has not been given. You have given your enforcement officers too much leeway and zero accountability. So now, when it's a monstrous thing going out of you know control, now you want to say we back the blue. I do not back the blue if they're doing things that are not in alignment with the oath that they took. I don't. When you're catching robbers, rapists, and homicides, I'm with you. When you not, I can't rock with you. And that's more to that, you know, layered conversation that we're having. I get treated very well by most law enforcement. They just let me like ride on beaches when there's a lockdown in Miami. I'm not going to pretend like everyone that puts on that uniform is a horrible person. But that does not mean the fact that you guys didn't murder Breonna Taylor. You did. And we've allowed it. We, the people, have allowed it because we have not allowed enough of our checking the government. So that's the that's the balance. And that's my position on that whole like, you know, that's that balance between. Hey, I respect you if you're catching robbers, rapists and unjustifiable homicides. I am totally disagreeing with you if you're enforcing unconstitutional
5: laws. I recover now that the Holy Ghost yelled at me. Uh- <laughs> <laughs> Uh, I guess we, we we've also expected as a as a society for law enforcement to take care of our morality issues um and that's 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 wrong there's a lot of stuff that morally i, I completely disagree with um, but I don't want the government to take that away from me I hate hearing neighbors at three o'clock in the morning we, we don't really have that, but I, I don't like hearing noise at 3 a.m. when I'm trying to sleep. But I don't want the cops to go out there and and do anything about it. I think there's too many people who are like, I want somebody else to take care of my issue. Like, no, you got to take care of your own shit. Uh, everybody just wants somebody else to take care of it. So because they take care of the shit that I'm too afraid to be a man about and go out there and be like, hey, neighbor, it's fucking 3 a.m., how about you shut the fuck up? Um, <laughs> let, let me sleep. Um, we call the cops and, and they come out. They they tell the neighbor to shut up. So now I'm like, oh, I could just call 911 every time, right. um, and they'll take care of it, regardless of the consequences. Very good. Uh, Did I recover good. Yeah. yeah uh,
0: Hank, uh, thoughts
5: on the uh, that disconnect?
3: No. Go ahead, Rhonda. Go ahead. So, I think most conservatives are soft. They're soft. Um, they're, I'm going to say what he said, but with a W. They're wussies, okay? Um, and I say conservatives because these are the main people that say they support the Second Amendment. However, these are the same people that are Twitter fingers. They get so mad at the liberals. Oh, look, they're burning stuff down. They're doing the stuff you want, whether you agree with them or not. Liberals get in the streets and they fight for what they believe or what's being talked about. You have conservatives that will get on Twitter. Oh, look at the liberals. They're doing this and doing that. You're so Second Amendment. When I first started learning about the Second Amendment, I was being told, oh, this is for tyrants. It's about fighting tyrants. However, when we talk about shooting tyrants in the face, Now, all of a sudden, it's, oh, no, 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 we got to respect the police. Where's the rest of the video? What happened? I often make this joke all the time. I say, who do you think is going to come to your front door and take your guns? It's not going to be Nancy Pelosi. It's going to be your neighborhood police officer. Um, So this, I don't know why people get so cringy. Is it about being against tyrants? Is it about protecting your freedoms? Or is it about something else? Because people, I don't know, it's just this very um scared energy. I'm not scared to talk about it. Freedom means keeping tyrants at bay and you do that with your guns to protect yourselves. So if people are gonna pretend like they're Second Amendment, I mean at least be consistent and believable because oftentimes the conversations are just not and I would like to see people actually stick to it's a lot of people that like to vicariously live through the founding fathers oh they were so rad and so dope and they had their guns but they were against tyranny they were against government overreach that's literally what it is about and so I want to see people focus more on that because ultimately it's going to be the police officers just doing their job that are going to have to enforce those unconstitutional laws.
1: That's why we need young people like you, Rhonda. That's why we need you to say that. Uh, The forefathers said that a long time ago. We need you to say that again today. Um, And I think we're kind of like on the subject of the police right now. My personal opinion, we need very few cops. We need very few laws, very few cops. They need to be uh, better vetted, better trained, better compensated when they're professionals. They needs to be, um, you know, we we definitely need those limitations, I think, when it comes to the police. Uh, I'm not sure if this goes to the overall question that you were asking here, but I think everyone lives in the macro and the micro, right? So in the macro, we have all these laws. We're living in society. There's generally laws wherever they come from that we're supposed to, uh, you know, this is how we treat each other this is how we deal with each other in the micro i think that you're often on your own or it's you and the person who's who you feel is attacking you or doing something to you that you're going up against and that could very well be the police right that could be the police it could be your it could be your spouse it could be anyone and in that micro situation where there may or may not be cameras around it's up to you, the individual, to decide if your life is in danger and to defend yourself. I grew up in New York City. Um, you know, my my family are immigrants. We came here illegally also. We just didn't come across the border. Came here with a visa on a plane and then just overstayed it. Yeah, so stuck around. Yeah, and we stuck around. The thing is my dad, you know, always told me growing up in New York City in the eighties, the crack eighties, he said, Son, just come back home to me alive whatever happens i don't want you to come back here in a box so in in the micro you have to defend your life if you feel like you need to defend your life you need to do it right whatever that situation is you can't be thinking about what the cameras or what the laws and all those things say because if you're dead you're dead right and then in the end now after that you may come into contact with the macro what are the laws how does that work you know uh, it, whose politics may come into play and now you're going to get charged and you're going to go through this and to cost a lot of money you may wind up in jail that's just the reality of life i think so i don't know if that goes to your question or not but that's the way i see it no i
0: i'm very appreciative of that uh alicia uh, go ahead uh well i'm gonna let alicia and then and then Devin, you can go yeah 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 yeah, yeah. no you, you'll get a chance to fight edgar Oh, you want to do it? Okay, go ahead and fight it. Okay. okay. So,
4: um, the whole like complacency and like slavery in the Bible thing that he was trying to reference, I'd have to strongly disagree. The entire New Testament is about Jesus literally telling people how to rebel against the state. Literally, from taxes to if you're not down with this, go away. He told an entire multitude, if you're not down with what I'm saying, don't follow me. I think that's the uh I think that's the actual problem is what they also said or what he also said was consistency there's no consistency in people's alignment with their morals and if you're always gonna bounce and what do we call them grifters yeah. if you're gonna grift back and forth on different topics regardless of if it's about freedom or not um that to me is the biggest problem um, I said it yesterday to Rhonda people only like their flavors of freedom yeah. and if it doesn't fit their narrative or their empower them and their feed their narcissism they're not gonna mess with it because they are, or they probably believe opposite of what you believe, but that's not the that's not the point. The point is we all submit to an objective truth, which is freedom. And to me, that's what we all have to get back to. Is the bottom line being just about freedom? Yeah.
2: Allow it, good. Yeah, I
4: know. <laughs> and uh,
0: okay, Alicia. Sorry. Yeah. It's all good.
2: So I guess the question was the paradoxical effect between are we supposed to revolt against tyranny and then do as we're told with law enforcement? And I think one thing that people seem to forget is we are indemnifying these people. The power is within the people. If we want to change things, we need to change them. We hold the power rather than just submitting and saying, oh, well, that's the way it is. No, you don't have to take it. I think people forget that it's their right to say no. And I think people are becoming more and more complacent in realizing that, oh, okay, well, that's the way it is. No, that's not the way it is. That's the way you're allowing it to be. And by allowing that to happen, you're becoming part of the problem. And I don't want to sit here and say that I'm against law enforcement. I My, my favorite uncle in the whole world, he's the, a retired captain. He's probably one of the most respectable men that I've ever met in my life. But that doesn't mean that there's not... You know, bad apples in the batch. There's bad apples in every batch. The thing is, when it comes to law enforcement, I don't feel that they're my ally. When I see law enforcement show up, they're coming to give me a ticket. They're coming to tell me I'm wrong, and they're coming to take my money, and they're coming to get me dependent on the system and become broken, in a sense. They want me to pay a ticket. They want me to move my car. They want me to follow rules that they have decided need to be followed because it makes their department money. They need to meet a quota. It's it's not what it used to be. You used to call the police to feel safe and to feel protected. Now when you see cops show up everyone's like, Oh shit. You know, it sucks. They're coming because you're being too loud or you parked your car wrong or somebody said you did something. That's not what this needs to be anymore. I think, just like Edgar was saying, we need to be responsible for ourselves. Start taking ownership for what you need to do. If you don't like something, use your voice and stand up for it. Don't go run and hide behind somebody because by doing that, you're saying that it's okay for them to speak for you. And your actions are showing that that's what you want them to do. So you need to take your power back and you need to figure out what the hell that means to you as a people. You know, I, I don't like to call the police. I don't want to be a cop caller, especially when you come from a minority, you know, poor neighborhood. We don't call the cops. You don't call the cops. Nobody wants to see the cops around here. And you're told to, hey, well, if something's wrong, call the police. What are they going to do? My car was stolen. I still have never heard back from the cops. But don't forget, you ran that parking meter past the time, so now you owe 50 bucks. They remember that. So I think things have become very, very misconstrued on what the duties of the law enforcement are supposed to be there for. And I think that people need to start changing those things and making their voice heard. And people aren't united in those convictions and that's what I would like to see change. So yes, I do think it's very paradoxal. Yeah,
1: thank you, Alicia. Go, go ahead, yeah, go uh, ahead, man. I think with the poli- with, uh, if there's an issue with police departments it's that we abdicated that to them. So police departments work for the towns, right? That's how it works now in a lot of cases they think they're i don't know paramilitary or whatever it is and and that's perhaps a problem and they think they're different from civilians they are civilians Mm -hmm. and they work for civilians so when there's a problem with the police you need to you know go directly to who's in charge of that so where i live there's a there's a sheriff we elect him i see him i know him he knows me right Um, If if they don't do something I like, next time it comes around time to voting, I don't vote for them. Other places, it might be the mayor, whatever, but we abdicated that to them, right? And that's why they feel like they have that power over us, because we gave it to them to be in charge of our safety and security, and that's why we need to be responsible. I think that's what I said in the beginning, like we are responsible. At the end of the day, we're the ones responsible. The more we give that to them, the more police officers we're going to see wherever it is that we live that's, you know.
0: Well, thank you. Um, and so the next question, I think we'll start with Maj for this. Maj, okay. And this is going to be probably a fairly a short question. I say that, I'll probably end up taking an hour. Um, but I, I think this will be a, a very, uh, well, it's a short question, so maybe it'll have a short answer. Uh, where do you think that th- there's sort of this prevalent stereotype that, and it's part of what we're trying to dispute here and debunk here, that gun rights are about white guys wanting to have guns? Where does that come from? Where do you think?
6: Um, white guys with guns. White guys with guns. Um that and and not even just not even like white like cool white dudes with guns. Like big like okay. You're allowed to be as racist and bigoted and biased as you want. I respect and champion your ability to do so. You don't like, you know, the black people, you don't like the white people. Cool. That's sure that is actually freedom too. Um When that, that's a moral conversation. When those moral conversations start sliding into legal conversations, again, and the state empowers that, that's when we get that. You know, no different than cannabis uh, uh, prohibition. You know, a dude was like, I think that cannabis makes, you know, white women want to sleep with Negro jazz musicians. That is the origin of cannabis prohibition in America. Like literally, like literally. You know what I'm saying? And then it became policy, empowered by the state. That's like that's like that's a literal reason why he came up with that stuff, and he wound up becoming like the original like DEA czar type vibe. He later
5: found out what the real reason
6: was. <laughs> My point in saying that is, again, it goes back to the state. It was a biased person that had the means to create legislation, and the state empowered it. If you're biased if the state does not justify it or sanction it or quote unquote legitimize it, or if you're not strong enough to violently overturn that potential um, sponsoring of the state of that bias, then it becomes law, right? Then you fall back to, oh, well, I'm supposed to follow the law, you know? So um, it comes from that. It's wrong. Historically, um, you know, the winner tells the tale. So, but in reality, Melanated beings in this nation and across the world have had a strong um, relationship with firearms ownership. Um, the problem is, like the the indigenous people, you know, they were like, "Yo, it's the land, bro. Like, use it. Like, we're not tripping." But if other people were like, "Yo, we're gonna use this land and we're gonna build like this is ours and we're gonna take this from them and so forth," it's just a difference of philosophy. You know what I mean? So now, if you're at a point where you know that the state is violent and will try legislation first, try those means of legislation and then return in kind with violence when it's sent to you. And you win. I mean, like, hello, the Bundy Ranch. Hello? Like, they won. Violent. You know what I'm saying? Like, didn't Trump give them a pardon like a couple of years ago? Was that the Bundy Ranch or was that Ruby Ridge? I think it was the Bundy Ranch, but either way, Ruby. my point here is the state will be violent. They're human, right? You have to be violent as well. Tupac shot two off-duty police officers that were trying to accost him in the ass and did not go to jail. Like Hank's point, my life was threatened and like not I felt like it. It's imminently in danger. I defended myself and my value system and I did not go to jail. You know, we got to get past that mentality of like this is the the monopoly of white males, when the reality is most white males are like, dude, I don't know who told y'all that, but like, no, that's not cool, like, please come over here. Again, speaking to the media, again, in the state and the media work hand in hand, it's a very symbiotic relationship, you know, so no, it's a falsehood. Um, the, the, the corny, like, white dudes that were biased and wanted to exercise their bias through legislation, that's where that came from, you know, and all of it, you know, it was just endorsed by the state. Okay.
5: Uh, was it really my turn? No. no. It actually
0: whatever. wasn't, but you already have Yeah, the whatever.
5: <laughs> I hug this fucker all the time. Um, I'm going to take a different turn on this. I think a lot of it has to do as well with... I, I think our cultures are just peaceful. Like, if you go to Mexico, when I go to Mexico, like, it's just peaceful. A lot of people talk about... Oh, uh, the cartels and stuff like that but when you get to like real Mexico outside of the the cartels cartels are usually just fighting each other for territory but overall like we're, we're just peaceful when you looked at the Native Americans sure they fought each other and did what they had to do but overall it was just like we're just cool we just want to hit this pipe and be in this fucking tent and just just be cool like Mexicans like I just want to eat tacos and, and just fucking be cool so um, like that's just what we wanted to do. So when when you have this idea of why did it become a, a white people thing is, this is gonna be, it is what it is. But we weren't trying to conquer worlds. We weren't trying to fucking steal people's lands. Like we were just chilling. We weren't trying to go out there and snatch people's shit and and, and claim it as ours. And we don't want to take other's cultures and their resources. Like I just want to grow some corn and and live my fucking life with my chickens and watch them little dinosaurs eat worms, and and have my goats, and that's it, like, that's it. So I didn't need a gun, because I wasn't worried about Maj, because Maj came over, he had tacos, I went over with him, and and I chilled with him, and that's it, like, that's all we did. We didn't care about having guns, we didn't have that fear. So I think it becomes more of a white male thing, historically, because we didn't need the gun because we weren't trying to fight shit, we weren't trying to cause any chaos, we weren't trying to do any of that shit. I just want some damn tacos. So
6: let me argue real quick, y'all. Let me argue against Edgar's point, because this is what you're gonna hear. When somebody brings up that point, right, I could say, bro, I was just like building pyramids, I was chilling, right? Somebody will say, well, all throughout human history, war has happened, slavery has happened, yada, 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 right? And to a certain extent, that's accurate. But when you're talking about uh, again layers, you're talking about chattel slavery. You're talking about the Mafa. You're talking about and, and it doesn't have to also be like non-melanated beings attacking melanated beings. You got white on white crime like called world wars, yeah, right? Genghis Khan was not a white dude. Genghis Khan wasn't a white dude. So. You know what I'm saying? So there's there's Asian there's represent. Right, he was he's right. So so the argument there is, you know, there historically there are like people get conquered and I do agree with that. But I think that the, the, the like layer of that, of what Edgar saying is generally if we were to isolate it to this land, if we were to isolate it to that, like we highlight Christopher Columbus as the dude that was like, yeah. Right. But in reality, dude was hella violent. And we have to own like, and then in return, people had to become hella violent in return. So I think that what the layer or the the, the the gray area there is, okay, now we're dealing with certain people that it might be Genghis Khan who was violent, and it was other people in that part of Asia that was like, bro, this dude Genghis is like bugging out. Now we gotta get violent back with Genghis. You know, so it's the energy of what you're what you're kinda like dealing with in return. But if you're the person that was chilling, you got it like libertarians, the non-aggression principle only fucking works with people that are being non-aggressi- non aggression non-aggressive towards you. Like after that violation happens, it's like I'm going to try to eat your face off. Like that's what it's going to happen after be. So I think that part of the conversation, because you'll hear that. It'll be like, well, Edgar, like, so only white people are like violent. Nah. But then you got layers of that, you know, even the conversation about. Well, African people sold themselves into slavery. If I don't even understand the concept outside of indentured servitude, the MAFA, like we didn't know what was happening on the other side of that boat. When you're talking about the migrating patterns of sharks changing because the transatlantic slave trade, you got to acknowledge that when you're talking about somebody that didn't even know that type of violence was there. And if I'm telling this dude, I got beef because there were tribal beefs. I got beef with this tribe and I'm telling the happened to be white dude that's coming over like, yeah, they right over there. That same white dude came and got me too. So these, there's layers to that story. And I think the other part is we also aren't, weren't just like, oh well, we lost. Like The natives to this land were fucking warriors. Chaka Zulu and that squad were warriors. They just ran into superior firepower. You know what I mean? So I, I like want to add that context into that too, without uh, which I've already failed to do, without taking up too much of the time. So I wanted to add that in. There. Okay,
0: Whatever. and so uh, uh, Hank, and I'm sorry, we've been given a 10-minute warning, sorry. so yeah. Uh, so, Hank, oh. if you if, if we just want to go through uh, so everyone can answer this and then we'll wrap up. But, Hank.
1: Uh, right. Um, yeah, we could get real deep into the history things, which probably is for somewhere else. You know what I've noticed? Um, first of all, I think most people are peaceful. Most people just want to have whatever it is they want to have, enjoy their lives, the people that they love and they care about. Um, and then there's some people out there, for whatever reason, want to have control. Mostly that's usually the government right? Or that's how they set themselves up. Um, I've found from, you know, I've been doing this for like seven years. I've found that, um, when it comes to there, there are a lot of white people with guns and usually they're very welcoming to me. Usually they're like, Hey, can you shoot my gun? Check this out. (laughs) This is what I have. The, the, uh, the folks that I find that are worried about me as a black guy, having a gun are, They are white, but they're on the other side of this equation. They're typically liberals. They're like, why do you have this gun? There's so much violence. There's all these people dying. I'm not the person doing that, right? So I I think when I look at it, that's how I see it. I feel like uh, folks who believe in the Second Amendment, who are gun people, they want everyone to believe in that and be gun people. Right. And and that's what I think about. We're here at the Libertarian Party. Uh, if you guys believe in the Second Amendment, I want you to not just believe in it. You could do that if you want to. You don't have to have guns. I would like you to have guns. I would like to if you if you want me to help you to give you advice and take you to the range or uh, put you in connection with people. I would love to be able to do that because I feel like it's a, a guns are a gateway drug to freedom. And if you, you know, if you partake in that, you're going to understand why that's so important. I know me personally, um, an America without the Second Amendment is civil war as far as I'm concerned. Right? So that's the way I look at it. Okay. Thank you. Alicia?
2: I think people associate guns with white people because of this naughty word that's been thrown around a lot called privilege. And I think people assume that guns mean expensive. And you have to have money to have guns. And, you know, that's a privileged thing. And they associate the NRA with Republicans, with white people with guns. And that's things that we need to break down because, I mean, I I am the Second Amendment. I'm a woman. I'm independent. I'm Spanish. My cousins are Mexican. My godkids are straight off the reservation Lakota tribe. And we have... Adopted Nigerian kids. I mean, we are a rainbow in my family. We're everything. And when it comes to saying white people are the gun people, well, that's what you were taught in school. You were taught dead men don't tell tales. That there was nothing in existence until, you know, the Nina, the Pinta, and the Santa Maria came through with their guns and their freedom ways and imposing that they're. You know, this is the way to do it. We had firepower, so we killed everybody else, and that's exactly what happened. So, by getting out there and speaking and saying, "No, that's not the way it is. Guns can be for everybody." You know, they're not. They don't have to be expensive. Me, I'm bougie. I like my expensive guns. I like my custom things. Point, so- oh <laughs> boy, I'm like Psh, this guy. Um, we got to break down those stereotypes because. Guns guns are the universal equalizer, like I said earlier, and you put a gun in somebody's hand and you become something else in someone's perspective. You become, oh, well, you must be automatically be a Republican. I automatically am a racist because I like guns. I automatically support Trump because I like guns. Or it becomes all those things. These are ideal ideologies that people are taught by what they see on TV. So that's why there has to be people like us that come out and say, no, I'm for this, that doesn't mean I'm for that. And just because I like guns doesn't mean that I'm not a feminine woman, it doesn't mean I'm a lesbian, it doesn't mean I'm not a lesbian, it means I like guns. And people are automatically associating these terms with guns, so I think that that's something that we really need to work on and that's why we have events like we're doing today to show people that there is an array of enthusiasm for firearms in the world and we need to be more vocal about who we are and why we carry them.
0: Thank you. I'm, I'm, I am right.
2: I only am when she's
6: cute. I know.
3: <laughs> So I think the white boys with guns started because that's what it was. It was white boys with guns. Um, you know, that's how the conversation started. And then you have a media, and this goes back to a point I think made. you have a media that works hand in hand with the state because the state was basically protecting whiteness. They didn't want uh slaves that may rebel or uh, newly freed slaves to be able to, to revolt or have that great equalizer. So it was white boys with guns, and then you went on to a media that, and this is so freaky, and it just proves that propaganda machine. You have a media that has worked hand-in-hand with the state to do this freaky mind-warping thing that makes the most vulnerable vulnerable population over time, over American history. They've tricked us into thinking we don't need the guns when we probably need them the most. Um, So it did start white boys with guns, but we're trying to change that narrative and actually get those guns, which equals protection, into the hands of the people that need it the most.
4: Thank you. And Devin, we'll let you wrap up. Okay, I'm going to kind of piggyback off of what Rhonda said. Um, Yeah, it's been white boys with guns and the powers in the Second Amendment have made it that way. Uh, The NRA, for example, we've seen them do terrible things to black people throughout history up until literally today. Like it's never stopped. So they've always controlled the narrative and they've always been able to gatekeep and put specific people in certain positions as if they are the main I guess, image of that demographic. And normally there are bad representation and it makes the actual demographic not want to get into guns at all. I see that all the time. I have to dispel so many influencers' sayings that they've put out because it's just not factually accurate. And um, I think once we see, and thank you to Gun Owners of America for doing this, once we see organizations starting to get behind the Second Amendment and what the Second Amendment actually looks like, not just the FUDs with shotguns slinging over their shoulders, that's when America will open up their minds to actually being more pro-Second Amendment. Because Second Amendment doesn't have a political party. Regardless of which side you're on, you still need the right to defend yourself. So in my opinion, it's been that way because the gatekeepers have made it that way. And now that we're getting into a new era where – Everybody's more independent, especially with like media outlets and everything. We can really start dispelling that narrative and that myth. And um, like I said, getting to the intimate side of the Second Amendment, which is the history aspect, the self-reliance aspect. Like, I think a lot of people have mentioned it already. To me, the Second Amendment and guns in itself are the kindergarten basics to freedom. Everything else comes after that, because once you can defend yourself, you become more self-reliant as in in your economics and your education really throughout life. And um, that's really my saying, I guess. Better thank, you. Than,
0: thank you. Very, very good. Thank you. So thank you to everyone for coming to the, uh, the GOA event for the panel on uh, is the Second Amendment really for everyone. I would be remiss if I didn't mention the fact and I would first of all, let me say the gun owners of America are not endorsing me or Joe Jorgensen. Neither is anyone here. You're certainly welcome to. But no one is here yet. But I would be remiss not to mention the fact that uh, Joe Jorgensen and I are running on a platform of, among other things, ending the ATF and the National Firearms Act and declining to enforce any federal gun laws. So I just had to mention that since can I am the Minister of Defense. You can absolutely. Uh, you can be, we, we can actually put you in charge of making sure that no one Uh, will enforce any of the gun laws so we'll like have you come around and yell at them if they try Um, so even at the state level so again folks thank you so much for coming and thank you to our panelists Uh, if we can have a big round of applause for our panelists thank you and thank you guys again and uh and thank you